that we work and, and live and serve. Uh, all these sorts of things, right? This is kind of our big animating question for the year. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been in the practices, right? The spiritual disciplines, looking at ways in which we can actually put the words of Jesus into practice in our everyday lives. And so we wrap that up today. Believe it or not, next Sunday is the beginning of Advent. Some of you are like, yeah, dude, it's been Christmas since October 31st, um, which is true if you've been to a store. It's like, whoa, a little early, guys. But anyway, for us here at Discovery, we get into Advent next week. So today kind of marks the end of our fall season, and we, we turn our attention to, uh, to the holidays, all right? Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to read the first nine or so verses, and then talk today about the practice of encouragement. Verse 1, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. I'll talk more in a moment. When we could stand it no longer, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. And again, we'll, we'll kind of get into what that is here in, in just a moment. You know quite well that we are destined for them, them being these trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, here's this phrase again for the second time, okay? Here, for this reason, when we could stand it no longer, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news. Timothy has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and for now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we ask now that as we anticipate uh, baptisms and stories and celebration, as we think towards the week ahead and Thanksgiving, um, Maybe some time off, maybe time with, with family, whatever may lie ahead, God. We know that we bring a lot into this space with us each Sunday. And so I ask, especially now as we open the scriptures, hear from your word, that you would hold all that stuff we bring in for us so that we can be fully present in this moment. Tune our, our hearts, our ears to your voice. Help us to know and experience your love in a tangible way today. Give us the courage to respond in whatever ways we need to respond. Amen. Uh, well, here at Discovery, we take the words of Jesus seriously. That might sound like a duh kind of thing to say, but we really do. And, and all of Jesus' words, but especially these words. Again, this has been uh, an animating uh, uh, text for us over the last several weeks Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself, there is no commandment greater than these. According to Jesus, okay, according to Jesus, the telos of life is love. Telos is our fancy word of the day. It's, it simply means the ultimate object or aim, to quote Taylor Swift, this is the end game. All right? Love. God's dream is that we love him and that we love each other well with our whole selves, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Now, all too often in, in the church, the, the conversation around things like discipleship and spiritual growth and all, all that sort of stuff tends to focus or center on the mind. Right? The, the telos becomes knowledge. If I just learn enough, know enough, memorize enough, download enough information, then I will be good. Then I will grow. And what we do is we sort of reduce people to brains that can walk around, right? But the teaching of Scripture is that we are so much more than that, right? We are human beings created in God's image, created for relationship, created to love God and to love other people. And so if the end game then is to love, to love well, to love God and to love people well. The question becomes, how do we get there? Because I think most of us feel deep in our bones, right, deep in our soul, we need help with this, right, that we fall short, that we fail to love people, to love God as well as we can. So how do we get there? The question becomes, is it possible then to grow, to transform into a more loving person? And the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection is a resounding yes, yes, we can be restored, redeemed, healed, made whole, made alive, changed, metamorphed, transformed into more loving people. Take a look at, at a couple of different ways in which the writers of Scripture talk, and for it is God who is at work in you. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Train yourself to be godly. And then these words, again, the words of Jesus, which, which are foundational to our whole conversation in the practices. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. Did you hear some of that? There's some interesting things going on in this process, right, of becoming a more loving person. Following Jesus... Being transformed is a worked out reality that we train and practice and contend for with everything we've got. I love, that. I love that one in Colossians about contending with all the energy right, that we've been given. And yet at the same time, at the same time, this is not just something that we do or work hard for or try to earn or do in our own strength. At the same time, there is so much more going on here, right? God is doing something in us. God is transforming us from the inside out. Work out your salvation because it's God who is at work in you. This is the, the beautiful, mysterious, 
paradoxical nature of what theologians call sanctification. So I guess you get two fancy words today, all right? Telos and sanctification, which is, again, just a fancy way of saying growth and transformation into a more loving person. A beautiful, mysterious paradox, we work it out, God is at work in us. Now, to our part of the equation for just a moment, there are people who have tried to figure out, are there things that we can do that help accelerate this process? There's actually two significant studies, both over uh, big chunks of time, 10 to 20 year long studies, that attempted to answer the question, what practices, what disciplines most help us in this process of becoming a more loving person? And what's interesting is that these are two different things, but they both revealed the same four practices. We've adopted them here at Discovery. We call them our core practices. They are confession, outreach, reading, and encouragement. And if you're paying attention, those are the four that we've gone through this fall. Confession, outreach, reading of Scripture, and encouragement, which is really interesting because if you think about it, what is not on that list? (laughs) Eating, which is, man, too bad, right? Although... Outreach and encouragement, I think, qualify. But look at, think about what's not on the list, right? There's no prayer, Sabbath. There's no you have to ascribe to this particular theological system. Now, those are all uh, good things. They can be very good practices. They may have been very helpful in your individual story and in your particular life and journey with Jesus. But statistically speaking, it's these core four. <clears throat> and I think there's a couple reasons for this. One is that they are holistic. They hit heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I think the second key here is that they're all done best in community. These practices do their transformative work when they are embedded in a rich network of committed relationships. Encouragement, confession, reading, outreach, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, with all of that then as a backdrop, our last uh, practice that we're looking at this year is this practice of encouragement. A very brief definition. To encourage someone is literally to put courage into them. To encourage someone is to put courage into them. Through our words, our actions, our presence, we can make one another stronger together than we are on our own. How many of you on a regular basis feel like, you don't, don't raise your hand, you don't, don't have, I have more than enough courage, I'm good. Studies show that, that 80% of us struggle with self-doubt, 8 out of every 10, the other two, please hang out with me, <laughs> I need you in my life. Think about this though, okay, 80% of us could use encouragement. Now, the practice of encouragement is not meant to be a a silver bullet cure for self-doubt, but I want us to to think for a minute, to consider for a moment this morning, what would happen, right? What would it look like if we took this practice seriously and we devoted ourselves to encouraging each other? What would that do? 
how would that change us? How would that, that shape and impact Discovery Christian Church? How would that transform Davis, California? What would that do to the campus where, you know, again, statistically, most students struggle with different mental health challenges? What would it look like? What would it do if we took this practice seriously and devoted ourselves to encouragement, to putting courage into each other? Now, with all of that as a, as a backdrop, I, I, I want us to turn our attention back to 1 Thessalonians 3, the church in Thessalonica. You're going to see a map up there on the, on the screen. It's actually a city that is still in existence. At the time of the writing, about 2,000 years ago, uh, this city was home to about 65,000 people. It was strategically located on a major thoroughfare with all sorts of economic and educational opportunities because tons of people were passing through all the time. Does this ring any bells? Interesting, right? It was a very religious city. It was a city full of idols. I, this, this makes me laugh every time. Okay, if you're, if you're not sure what this is, this is the eggheads on campus. Um, our city full of idols. <laughs> Joking aside, though, Thessalonica was full of temples and worship of all sorts of different uh, gods and goddesses, Dionysus, the god of wine, Serapis, and then, of course, the emperor worship that was very prevalent throughout the Roman Empire. And so this particular church at Thessalonica was made up primarily of Gentiles, Greeks and Romans and other ethnicities, people who did not have the Jewish background, right, had not grown up going to synagogue, did not grow up going to church, and hearing the stories, and all of this sort of stuff. And so these are people who are very new and fresh to the story of God, the story of Jesus, and they're trying to sort out their allegiances, right? Who are we giving ourselves, our life, our energies to? This God, that God, the, the God that this guy Paul talks about, whose name is Jesus, they're trying to sort all of this stuff out in this city where there's all these different pressures, Again, ideas, idols, different forms of worship, people coming in from all around the world, all sorts of challenges for this church. And so this guy named Paul, who is the writer of the letter, and he actually helped uh, start, or as we sometimes say, plant this church. You can read about it in Acts chapter 17. Paul writes them. He, this is key. He's not there with them. He's somewhere else. So he writes them a letter to remind them of some really big ideas, right? To remind them of the God themselves in God. As we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, this God who wants to come close, right? Who you don't have to go to a temple and do some weird ritual to please, but this God who actually initiates, who comes close to us, this God who loves you, and desires relationship and has made a way for there to be relationship with you. Paul is, is walking them through all of these things. He does not want them to lose sight of that. Right? This God who most clearly demonstrates all of this 
in the person of Jesus. Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Now, two times in the middle of this letter, I pointed this out as we were reading it earlier, two times in the middle of the letter, Paul says, when I could stand it no longer. Part of leadership, whether you are a parent or a boss or a teacher or a coach or a pastor, part of leadership is dealing with the reality that we have control issues. My daughter had a softball tryout this last week, and it was the sort of thing where, like, you have to just kind of watch. And, you know, in, in me, I, I'm preparing for this sermon, and I'm just, like, deeply resonating with Paul because it's like, I can't stand that. Like, I can't, ah, right? When you're in that situation where something is unfolding and you can't control it, what happens? What happens? We freak out, right? Now, if, if you are familiar with, with church and church history and the Bible and, and these sorts of things, you may know that Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. And his writings form a lot of theological concepts that we still are exploring to this day. And so sometimes we end up with this picture of this guy, Paul, as this sort of intellectual, stoic, kind of stern person. But Paul also felt deeply. Paul felt all the emotions. And I want us for just a moment here to sit with his anxiety, this baby church Right, this baby church community with no background with God is trying to make it in this city full of idols, and he is somewhere else. He can't be there with them, and it sends him over the edge. Right? Oh, I can't stand this. I need to know what's going on. How are you guys doing? He's worried. He's not there. This situation is out of control. He's having this very human moment. Right? This very human moment of freaking out a little bit. Anybody ever been there? When situations unfold that are out of our control, we can freak out a little bit. And we can wonder. We can question. God, where are you? What are you doing? Are you doing anything? What are you up to? Paul is having this experience, right? How is it going? What is happening? I don't know. I can't be there. There was no text messaging or FaceTime or any of that stuff, right? Like this is very, it just had to trust that they were figuring it out. Now let's take the turn here. What then encourages Paul? What puts courage back into Paul? Right? It's when this guy, Timothy, his friend, Timothy, shows up and tells him a story. Shares some good news with him. This is where our word gospel comes from. Evangelion, good news. What encourages Paul? Good news stories. Stories of God at work. Stories about the community's Faith, they're trusting God. They're pledging allegiance to King Jesus, not chasing after these idols. They are committed to right relationship with God. 
Ah. Paul feels encouraged. His courage grows. Stories about their love. They are caring for each other, loving their neighbors, growing towards the telos, right? That beautiful end game of the perfect, eternal, sacrificial love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Right relationship with God and with each other. And Paul's like, oh, okay. And it calms him. It reassures him. It encourages him. It puts courage into him. Todd and Elizabeth Hall write in their absolutely fantastic book, Relational Spirituality. We've been socialized in our culture to think that the only thing that counts as knowledge is science. And what is meant by science is logical reasoning and quantification. And throughout the book, they talk about this as explicit knowledge. And again, they're not trying to say that's bad or wrong or anything like that, but just that that's oftentimes how we come at things, right? They go on to say there's a deeper personal kind of knowledge, an implicit knowledge. And if we look at the the genres of Scripture, for example, we see the importance of relational knowledge of God. Again, not just knowing some ideas or, or some concepts, but a relational knowledge of God. This is communicated to us, they say, because much of the Bible is story. And story is a form of implicit knowledge. I love this next sentence. You feel the main idea of a story because of its aesthetic emotion. Story does not communicate its main idea through propositions. This is what Timothy does for Paul. Tells him stories. Oh, you should see so-and-so. They're, they're doing this. They signed up for this team. They're involved in this way. Oh, man, you, you would not believe what's happening in the life of this family that, that you met that first week. Do you remember them? Oh, my goodness. You, you have, there's, like, so many people who are getting it. Like, he starts telling the stories. Faith, love, aesthetic emotion. And Paul's like, oh, okay, good. Oh, okay, good. Faith and love. Now, for us today... Every time we do a practice like this, we usually have a resource or some sort of like, hey, go try it out. Go practice this thing in this way. Today, we're just going to do it, okay? We're just going to encourage each other right here and right now. And so there's a couple of different ways that we are going to do this. It's story time, my friends. We're going to tell the story through communion, and we're going to tell some stories through baptism. But before we even get to that, I, I wanted to have some people just share very briefly ways in which they've seen God show up in their life recently. So I want to actually invite them to the stage. And as they come to the stage, I want to set this moment up this way. I don't know what they're going to say. All right, this is very exciting for me. <laughs> um, but again, I felt like, hey, we're talking about this. We're, we're, we're practicing encouragement. We, we need to grow in how we do this. And so let's just have some examples. Let's just share some stories and so they're going to line up over here and just, again, 20, 30 seconds. This is how I've seen God at work in my life. Let's give them some encouragement as they make their way to the stage. And then let's see what happens. Hi. 
Um, I'm Abby. Um, some of the ways that I've um, been really encouraged recently and seen God moving is, one, I um, help out with The Living Room, which is our college neighborhood community group. And we've just had some really amazingly spiritual conversations recently, um, and it's been really encouraging. Um, and then on top of that, I also help with our homeless outreach on uh, Sunday mornings. And um, yeah, also really amazing conversations with people. And just recently, we had um, someone that we see on a regular basis just pray over us. And it was just a really beautiful prayer and a really wonderful moment to have with somebody. God work his way in my life since freshman year until now, just kind of my growth and development as a college student. So I feel like I came here not really knowing what I wanted to do, the type of people to be around. And since that first fall quarter freshman year, like he's changed who I've been around, the type of people I have in my life. And then especially during my sophomore Good. Hello. And then, yeah, especially during my sophomore year, just especially spring quarter, I remember those many moments where I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do, where I want to pivot to, or if I'm in the right spaces. And then all of a sudden, I met some people and I became bored of the AI club. And then in that same vein, I met other people and then I'm one of the managers at the Student Startup Center. So just kind of impromptu, he helped me figure out like what I want to do career-wise and connects me with the right people on top of bringing the right friends into my life. And for that, I'm very, very grateful, so. Hi, I'm Kelly, um, and one of the ways I've seen God working in my life, um, about f almost four years ago, we had some things happen in our family that created some very broken relationships, and I've seen God um, repair those relationships, or I guess starting to, um, this last year, and it's been really beautiful, and I think one of the other ways that I've seen him is that in that brokenness, it challenged me to, like, understand why I believe what I believe in a really deep way. And, <clears throat> sorry, didn't expect to get emotional. And I think that my encouragement to you would just be that sometimes the hardest things in life can um, give you a moment to reflect on things that are really deep and um, give you an opportunity to create something really beautiful out of something really broken. My name is Justin. Um, I think one of the ways I've seen God work lately is uh, at work I take a daily walk with some of my coworkers and um, uh, recently started to see and get names of people who we see on our walks. Like we go through residential neighborhoods so we see the same people all the time and they've started to like introduce themselves and like when they need help then we um, take time out of, our, out of our day to help them like there's a lot of older people, so we help them to garden or, or whatnot. So just seeing uh, God open doors to conversations and uh, being able to be good neighbors to those around us. Hi, my name is Lydia. Um, so I think some of y'all know in the crowd, um, it's been a harder season in life recently. Um, there's been some events that happened at work for me in which rendered me to be considered disabled by my primary care physician because I couldn't perform some basic functions. Um, at this, you know, during this time, in the past few months, I've been asking God, you know, God, you allowed for this to happen. What are you calling attention to? 
Um, and I and God answered, and I think God just revealed to me and reminded me of the blessings in my life, specifically one of them is the community that he has provided uh, since graduating college. Um, I think I really saw how God has answered that previous prayer of um, me asking for community and me seeing and experiencing that in you know, Discovery Young Adults, my Celebrate Recovery group, my Perspectives class group, and also and especially my husband. Thank you. Hi, um, ooh, that's loud. Hi, uh, my name is Nathan. Um, I actually, I was gonna share something else, but um, I don't know. I, right now, I just feel like I need to talk about this. Um, I, throughout you know, the past multiple years, something I've struggled a lot with is forgiveness and hardness of heart. Um, and recently, God's kind of put that on my mind a lot more, and um, Something he's really been teaching me is the amount of grace and mercy he's had on me has just been so overwhelmingly high. And because of that, I need to um, I need to be willing to show that in other relationships and to also other groups of people as well. And it's an ongoing challenge, and some days it's easier than others. But um, when I have been willing and he does provide the humility for me to um, accept that. Um, I've seen some beautiful relationships and progress be made, so, yeah. Yeah, these lights are bright, okay. Um, hi, everyone, my name is Heath, and um, I'm happy to be here. One of the things that's been very encouraging for me from now to the past six months or so, um, have been some of the friendships that I've uh, kindled and rekindled with some different guys, uh, both in the church and out of the church. But uh, two in particular that come to mind were a guy that I, had, I hadn't chatted with for a couple months, and we were able to chat about a week or two ago. And he was telling me, I'd been praying for him for, you know, off and on about four years now. And he's telling me how he's starting to read the Bible and all the things he doesn't like about it. And so we get to talk about that. And that's was super fun. And I'm going to be able to spend Thanksgiving with him. So that's something I'm very encouraged by. And then uh, a second guy who I worked with two or three years ago, who is now working at my old landscaping job. And we were able to reconnect and we're going to chat and get a beer. But just seeing how God is still putting people in my life who I can love on and learn from and they can learn from me and so just that God is continuing to kind of have these different uh, synchronicities if you will so thank you very much hello everyone um, my name is Victoria um, and the way that I've seen God work this fall um, has been through my time um, so I'm a third year and my freshman year I was very protective over my time um, I um, really just prioritized um, school and academics and felt a lot of pressure with that um, and even prioritized it over God sometimes. Um, and I think this fall, or in the last year, the Lord has really um, put it on my heart to let go of that control um, and let go of um, just give him my time more and prioritize him more. Um, so this fall, that has looked a lot like um, saying yes to serving more here in Discovery or saying yes to being a Bible study leader for the Christian fellowship that I'm in. Um, and those have been such really impactful and great um, opportunities to um, really be invested in my community and um, to be um, 
just encouraged by the community as well and grow more in um, learning who God is and just learning who, how faithful he is um, when giving him these, um, or sacrificing my time for him um, and how much more he provides in that way. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, and one way that I've seen God at work recently is uh, our neighborhood community. So part of NC North, um, so it's been really good to just see the group grow and having different people lead every week. Um, so that's been really cool to see. Um, and another thing is Sunday mornings, I also do um, outreach. So walking around downtown Davis, passing out um, coffee and donuts to our unhoused community. Um, and a couple weeks ago, um, managed to pass out all the coffee and donuts because there was a bunch of people um, that we hadn't seen for like maybe a year or so, like so new and returning faces. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to just catch up with people, have some really good conversations. Um, and even recently, some people um, even engage in prayer that normally don't do or lead a prayer. Um, so yeah, it's just been really good as of late. Hi, my name's Audrey. Um, I feel like God has, um, I've been seeing God work where I can't see. <laughs> so um, a lifelong anchor for me has been Hebrew, having assurance and faith in the things that I hope and pray for and confidence in the things that I can't see or don't see very often or don't see yet. So two of those things specifically for me have been um, healing and balance in my own family. So thank you for Kelly. Um, I That really resonated with me about um, brokenness. Um, and also um, just a passion for um, um, just, a, a, I don't know how to say it, a, a certain nation or people of this earth that um, I just care so deeply about. And I want um, Christ to be revealed to them. And so um, I've really been praying for the Middle East you know, for whatever religion or political side people are on, that people who are suffering, some will see Christ. Thanks. Hi, guys. My name is Ryan. Um, one of the ways I've really seen God at work this fall is in the lives of people who are going through really hard medical or health challenges. Um, on a personal note, one of those people is my dad who has lung cancer. Um, and he's just, he went through a really challenging spring and summer where it just felt like there was a new complication, a new horrible side effect every few days that was cropping up. And um, I've seen God answer prayers in that, just giving him some respite and some relief this fall and that it's been very uneventful. Um, and I think a good time of rest for him physically and mentally. And then also in my work, I work at a pediatric hospital. Um, I've been able to walk through a journey with a family who received a life-altering diagnosis for their little girl. And in what I imagine is probably the hardest moment of their lives, um, I've seen God give them comfort and strength. And I've had this mother witness to me that the reason why she's able to um, get through these challenging times is because of her faith in God. And I've watched her pray over her child um, before scary procedures and just been able to see God at work in her, in those parents, in carrying them through something um, so awful that being their strength and support. 
If you need a moment, I'm with you in that. Um, thank you guys for sharing. And I just want to say it's a, it's a tender thing, right, to, to open up and to come up here on a stage where there are bright lights and a bunch of people looking at you and share that. So it took a lot of courage to do that. And so thank you for your, your example uh, in that for the rest of us, right, of what it can look like to share our stories uh, for each other. Because it is through those stories, right, pointing out, look at where I see God. Look at where I see God at work, right? It's through those stories that we put courage into each other. Now, I'll invite uh, Darren and Pamela back as we get ready for baptism and communion. We're going to um, sing a song here, and as we sing this next song, uh, you're welcome to come to the communion stations around the theater. Uh, as we remember and celebrate the good news of what God has done for us. We do this every week, is to come back to this truth, right? And to be encouraged at what is true, right? The big story that God is telling of redemption and restoration through his son, Jesus. And so we'll, we'll take communion as we sing this next song. And then after that, we're going to hear a couple more stories, celebrate baptisms. If you are here uh, in particular, to celebrate with people this morning, I do want to invite you, you uh, during this communion time, reshuffle the deck here. If you want to get you know, a better view or take a picture of the tank or whatever, that's, that's all uh, open and fair game here. So as we come to the table, Paul ends this chapter saying, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase. Right, here, here's that end game again. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. What would happen? What would it look like if we took this practice seriously and devoted ourselves to encouragement, to putting courage into each other? devoted ourselves to noticing and telling these stories of God at work. Let's pray. Father, we come to the table now immensely grateful. As we enter into a, a week of Thanksgiving, we come to the table this morning immensely grateful for who you are and what you are doing. Thank you for these stories that we heard today, uh, for the courage that it took to tell them. And for the ways that that puts courage back into us, God, would this community be a place where we speak truth and life and good news stories to each other, where we have the eyes to see where you are at work, and where we consistently point that out and tell these stories so that we are encouraged in faith and in love, so that we can love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love each other well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.